Zillow was 6,000 people when I left and maybe 30 or 40 or 50 when I, when I joined. And I had some of the same practices as a leader from the first to the last day. First is you win in the details, not the strategy. Yeah. So when you become a team leader and you're not in production, you have to be very, very careful not to lose connection to customers and the systems in the real life. So I have a little hack. I'm going to give you no charge on this hack. Yeah, I'm ready. For everyone, which I do today. Well, I just finished at Tomo my call center training. So I've always taken, I'll, I'll start next week, uh, taking at least one day of call center shifts where I will talk to hundreds of customers in a day. I will use our tools. And uh, my partner, Carrie, my co-founder of this company, Carrie, has been doing it for a while. She takes a 6 a.m. shift once a week. And I learn more from those customer calls and about our systems and about our process and about the agent experience talking to home buyers on the phone than anything else I, do, I could do uh, in a week or in a month. So one, stay close to the details forever and continue to do the job so that you can help everyone do the job better is one of the most important things as you're growing these businesses, whether it's 10 people or a thousand people. So the question is this, how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves? So that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. I interview agents from all over the world. I ask them their tactics, and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, Aaron here with a quick commercial break. But hey, you've got to listen to this one. This one has a really, really short time offer on it. I tell you what, my friend Trevor Mock of Carrot is cooking up something super, super cool. Carrot Summit is coming up July 12th. It's a one-day virtual event for investors and agents who want to learn how to generate highly motivated, consistent leads online and how to grow and lead a team. The sessions will range from tactical breakouts on today's most effective marketing strategies like SEO, Google, AI, chat GPT for lead gen, also to leadership topics like how eight-figure CEOs delegate. Trevor is an expert at that. If you follow him on social media, you'll see he shares so much about how he delegates and grows his huge businesses. How to avoid burnout as an entrepreneur, how to scale your team. They're gonna have a wide range of experts that also come on and talk, eight-figure investors and agents, best-selling authors, industry coaches. I mean, you name it. If there's an event out there, he's doing it. But one of my favorite sessions is where you're gonna learn how to train your team to profit from every single lead as a hybrid investor agent. You know, Carrot's been the authority on inbound lead generation in our industry for nearly 10 years. Trevor's team and business is one that I myself want to learn how to emulate. So join us on the summit to learn how you can build a business of freedom and impact. Go to carrot.com forward slash rockstar for our link or go to the show notes to grab your spot for free. All right, back to your podcast. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchistegi. Hey, I'm so excited for the interview that we're about to do. When I got this email, it said, Hey, do you want to talk to an industry leader in real estate? And they said, first it's Greg Schwartz. He was the president of Zillow for a long time. When Zillow started with just 50 people at their company, you can only imagine how big that company has grown to as he got to help to help out. And now he's the founder and CEO of Tomo which is a new company that we're gonna to get to talk about that's like partnering with agents and teams and all sorts of stuff. I think Greg is gonna have so much advice for you guys today. Greg, how's it going, man? 
It's going well. These are the best of times to build businesses, that is. Yes, so. best of time to build businesses. It's an interesting time in real estate right? Like as uh, transactions slow down or really, I mean, transactions aren't any slower than they were in like maybe 2018 or 2019, but they're a lot slower than they were two years ago. So it's forcing everybody to kind of look at their systems, try to figure out like, oh, like what cost should I cut? What should I do different? What's working? What's not? The Have you, and you've been in real estate for a long time. Like when did you start getting involved in real estate? Oh, when I was, was a slight little boy, kind of like, uh, like some of your background, having started in, in new construction as a builder, my dad developed land, uh, was yeah. a land developer, uh, for part of his career. And so, uh, I learned location, 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 and yeah. I learned driving dirt as a little kid. Uh, uh, so from birth kind of. Yeah. So the, so you started around it and I did too. I grew up on the construction sites. I grew up having to weed. I mean, I hated it when my dad was in land development during early eighties was a tough time for like, you know, especially like up in Oregon where I, where I was originally from, because all of a sudden, you know, interest rates went crazy. There was all this crazy stuff and, and we, he owned all these lots and I hated that he owned all these lots because I spent my summers just weed eating them and like cutting the, cutting the grass down and I, and and he's like, well, now you have a job. I'm like, I didn't want a job. I want to play with my friends on that. So I've seen land. And then I got to work on his construction site starting as a guy just picked up everybody's trash, you know. And that's I, why you are where you are, right? Uh, man, I, it is. Work. It is absolutely where I am. It's funny. I didn't really appreciate it till I was in my late 20s, early 30s. and went, man, I'm so glad my dad made me work when everybody else was having fun. And I got to see um, that stuff. So you grew up watching construction or watching development into real estate where you did you ever become an agent you know I, I don't i don't have a license um but i feel like i've worked thousands of deals in my life uh mm -hmm. uh but 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 never been the license holder per se but i've employed lots of agents and brokers and uh loan officers and the like you know back back to land i i, I bet you learned some fundamental things that you keep with you today from from your dad i did from mine and and the the most fundamental was awareness of debt um, you know, I'd see those ups and downs you talk about in the cycle. And if dad had bought a bunch of land on leverage by borrowing yeah. and not having a lot of equity, those were very, very scarce days. Um, and when there wasn't much leverage on the business, uh, cause we'd been less or he'd been less ambitious then you felt safe. So even building big public companies, which is what I've spent most of my career on, uh, I always keep an eye on days are good, days are bad. Um, if you've got cash in the bank, uh, you can be the winner during a down cycle like this one. It's so true. I was so I was I graduated um, from construction management school in 2005 in California, like high to the housing boom. Right, we were getting heavily recruited. Houses were getting like built and sold like crazy. But that was also the time when we didn't realize that it was like a, a you know a stack of cards that was getting ready to fall. And then in 07 and 08, we started to see all that stuff fall out too. We knew that it was all about debt. It was all about like, you know, bad debt and bad loans and companies were going out of business like crazy. And it was something similar from the 80s also when the rates went up like crazy back then. Like we learned that things are similar because when the rates went up like crazy back then, a lot of developers and people like that went out of business, got foreclosed on, lost so much. And then the people that we're seeing kind of in trouble right now in this cycle, like the average homeowner isn't really in trouble. Nope. Right now, like they, they have tons of equity. Most of them have amazing rates. Their biggest problem is they don't really want to sell their house because it's going to be tough for them to afford their next one, but they're not in trouble. They're not going to lose their house. 
So the people that are in trouble right now are the people that got major debt like two years ago or 12 months ago that was like adjustable, right? Which is commonly almost like that land mindset or people buying apartments. So the people that are doing great right now are the people that either have low debt or not or, or good debt, right? And the or uh, low, low debt, good debt or no debt. And the people yep. with heavy debt, man, it's it's a lot harder game. Hey, real estate forever and ever is a pretty pretty simple business, whether it's going to go up or down. It's about jobs. Do people feel safe? Do they have income? Mm-hmm. And it's about inventory availability, supply demand. And so we actually have a pretty bright future ahead of us, even with a, a confused economy coming through all we've we've come through. The issue, if you hear on Wall Street, is the jobs numbers are still really good. Yeah. Uh, so people are employed. Income is still strong. And then the other thing here is, what are we pressed by? Inventory availability, right? If you go in any real estate community, every any agent, any lender, all you hear about is, hey, when stuff hits the market, it's gone in 30 days if it's decently priced. Yeah. Historically fast. So what we do here is still in great demand. People want to build their lives not in a rental home or a big tall tower. They want to own and have the dream and put holes in the walls. We're just not building enough homes. And you know this because you did it. You know, we're still six, seven, eight million homes underbuilt for our current population. And that's why prices are sky high. So, hey, we're going through a little blip here or a, a drop here, um, which makes sense. But first time home buyers don't have interest rate lock in. Yeah. Right. They've got high rent. Uh, so they still want to get in this market. And we still have a huge amount of demand. Uh, for what we do. So this is a great opportunity. And I think the big innovative companies of their day come in times like this. You know, Zillow came out of really accelerated 0708. Yeah. Um, the last company. Google came out of a, a declining economy as well. You see these trends um, on these really big, innovative, valuable companies. People try new things when times are stressed. When times are great, who had the time? Yeah. So real estate teams, brokerage brands. Oh my God, it's the most creative time, probably in my career in real estate, uh, in the brokerage and team business. And, and then on, on the mortgage side of the business, what, what Tomo does for a living, um, folks need a better, less expensive, more predictable way to get them in a house. And agents are willing to try new things because they have to execute to perfection. And so I think we're going to see some really interesting companies emerge and winners. You're so right about the, the like the crazy times and, and what we're going to see next. And it's about the people that can analyze like, what is the market? Where is the opportunity? And, you know, I built one of my biggest businesses in 2009 when I got laid off from the home builder, right? When we got put out of business and it was like, had to discover courthouse step auctions at a time when I tell people, like I was the third person buying courthouse step auctions in, in wow. Sacramento, California, one of the hotbeds. And I was the first person to do it at scale. I was the first person to say like, hey, if I ran this like a home builder and I bought 30 houses a month and had customer service teams, like I built, I, I was what I was the first right in that area. Now there was pl- plenty of cities where there were other first, but it was like created this industry um, at a time when if I hadn't gotten fired, if I hadn't gotten laid off, if, if everything hadn't shut down, I would have never done it. I would still be like a, a production manager at a, at a home building, you know, company. 
And you know, you talked about first-time home buyers right now. That's the big thing we've been telling everybody is the first-time home buyers don't know what they could have afforded before. They don't know mm-hmm. what they missed out on by not having three percent or four percent rates. And so the people that can find that market or that opportunity, how do you serve them? You know, I just read a stat that it was, um, I think traditionally we had 14 or 15% of houses every year were, you know, new homes. It's something like that within a a couple of blips because I'm rereading it. And now it's like 30% of the sales that are happening are like new homes, you know, because, because people are locked in, they're not selling. The only supply that's happening is from builders, but it's still underbuilt. And the people that figure out how to deliver, you know, lots of new inventory to those first time home buyers or those first time move ups, we're going to get to kind of continue to see that. So you got involved with Zillow, you know, so I guess what year did you get involved with Zillow? Oh my. Well, uh, I start to, the, the, the dates start to blur. So I was there for 13 years. Yeah. I left in 19. So let's do the math on that. So probably Oh six. Yeah. So Oh six. So the housing yeah. market was right when you started, it was kind of almost like the highest it's ever been. Yeah. You know, it was probably the top of the market. We probably didn't know until like two Oh seven or Oh, or oh eight, but it was a really exciting time. I remember the first time I typed something in on Zillow and yeah. thought it, it, you know, six. And I was like, this is magical right? Like you're typing this thing in and now you're getting this access. And it really changed the way that, you know, everybody looked at real estate, that individuals looked at real estate instead of needing a real estate agent to do things, they could do it different ways. And then, you know, at the beginning when Zillow first came out, there was this kind of this weird mixture of agents of, are they our friends or are they not? Are they taking our business? Are they devaluing it? So it was like this love hate, but then the people that would partner with Zillow, the agents that would partner with them are like, this is amazing. You know, we're, we're getting all sorts of leads. I've interviewed so many people on the podcast that 90% of their leads their first few years were through Zillow partnerships. But something that I think that you did within Zillow and within your own career and kind of your passion that most people wouldn't realize is as people were like buying leads and figuring out how to work with it, you were working with these people and these teams to try to help them transition from like just taking a lead and just doing you know, just doing volume yourself and how do you actually grow this and systematize it and turn it into a business and like stop trading time for money. As you start to work with people like that or thinking back to when you were doing that, what do you think are like the challenges or the, the advice that you would give people, even like the ones I had recently where they're, they're on the podcast, they're buying leads, they're doing production. They don't know how to get out of production. They don't know how to do what's next. Like, like how are you coaching people? What are you telling them through that? Yeah, this this is an interesting thing um, that I've thought lots about. Hey, being a real estate agent means you're an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. means you're a salesperson, means you're an operations leader, means you're uh, a non-licensed amateur lawyer. It means you're a therapist sometimes. And building a team means you're doing that all, but not just for your customers, but all your teammates. So it's really demanding. Um, I think I think two really fundamental things to building a successful team. You have to decide if you want to be, and this is in each of our hearts, uh, I call it uh, a genius with a thousand servants, or do you want to be working with a thousand geniuses and be their servant? Mm -hmm. There's a subtlety there. And there's not a judgment on, there's no moral judgment from my part, but you have to know what you intend to be, or these things are very, very hairy because teams are just about people. It's not about the CRM software. It's not even about the lead quality. Um, it's about the people you build on the team. 
what you expect of them, the values you bring to them? And then do you want them to be subservient to your brand, your ego, your production? Or do you intend to invest in them and eventually you fade into the background and you're subservient to them in many ways? Nothing wrong, but you got to choose which one you want to be. And I see so many friends who aren't very clear on that. And whenever I hear, hey, we've got new agents or a new ISA or the third newest ISA, I always go back to, are you being a leader or are you being a servant? Choose. I don't know. Does, is, does, does that make any sense, Aaron? Yeah. The, um, and it's the, I think there's, there's like this struggle that agents have or like a natural thing that happens is people do really, really good at production, right? Oh, I, I did 50 houses my first year. Now I'm going to go build a team or now I'm going to go build a business or now I'm going to go build a company, but it's two very different skill sets. Yep. And people think like, Hey, because I did 50 houses, like now I'm supposed to grow a team or now I'm supposed to grow. And the skills aren't aligned. It's not the same, the same thing that got you here won't get you there. And I think that people struggle with that to figure out how to make that shift in mindset. Like, yep. so as you're telling people like which mindset to shift, like, what do you think are, are maybe a challenge or something that they should hear where it's like, Hey, if you're coming out of like, if you're building a team, just because you were good at being real estate, like you were good at being an agent and now you're being a team, hmm. what's that mindset shift they need? Like, like teaching instead of doing or, or yeah. and by mindset, the way, scarcity, abundance, whatever. The thing I most frequently hear is I'm building a team because I don't want to be in production anymore. Mm -hmm. Not because I want to incubate careers, teach them, grow them to be better than I am at this thing and take joy from that. Yeah. So you got, that's not generally going to work. Um, cause you know, real estate isn't coin operated. It's difficult. It's repetitive. It's grinding. First, if you're playing an internet lead game, it's about having uh, a system that you're going to repeat consistently and measure over and over and over again forever. And I heard, you know, my friend Jason Mitchell said something the other day, which I think was, there's a great agent uh, or, or broker in, in Arizona said something the other day, which I thought was very appropriate, which is if you are trying to make an agent an ISA or a telesales person, you're never going to be happy with the outcome. So why am I bringing that up? If you're trying to go from an individual to a team, to a company, you have to look at what are the discrete tasks to convert internet leads in this case. Make sure you have people that want and are well-trained with a standard operating procedure. How often do you call? How often do you text? How often do you email? What do you say on those calls, texts, and emails? What time do you do them? You have to measure compliance with those actions, and then you have to be constantly measuring it and doing it over and over again a little bit better. And if you do that, you can be successful at internet leads, no matter what the leads are, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, if you have the right people deployed to the right work and you hold them accountable. Um, that's the first key thing. I'd suggest the second key thing is decide what your brand is and what your key service proposition is. Do you do historic homes? Do you do a neighborhood? Are you looking for being a social media agent um, that's most well-known online? Decide what you are and don't try to be everything to everybody. I see a lot of success with folks micro-targeting who their brand is, who their customer is, what their service. Yeah. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, Aaron here with a quick commercial break. But hey, you've got to listen to this one. This one has a really, really short time offer on it. I tell you what, my friend Trevor Mock of Carrot is cooking up something super, super cool. Carrot Summit is coming up July 12th. It's a one-day virtual event for investors and agents who want to learn how to generate 
highly motivated, consistent leads online, and how to grow and lead a team. The sessions will range from tactical breakouts on today's most effective marketing strategies like SEO, Google, AI, ChatGPT for lead gen, also to leadership topics like how eight-figure CEOs delegate. Trevor is an expert at that. If you follow him on social media, you'll see he shares so much about how he delegates and grows his huge businesses. How to avoid burnout as an entrepreneur, how to scale your team. They're gonna have a wide range of experts that also come on and talk, eight-figure investors and agents, best-selling authors, industry coaches. I mean, you name it. If there's an event out there, he's doing it. But one of my favorite sessions is where you're gonna learn how to train your team to profit from every single lead as a hybrid investor agent. You know, I've talked about that on here. We promote real estate agents and trying to tell people everything they need to do to get more lead gen. But one of my favorite talks at my mastermind last year was these guys that came on and said, hey, if you were only trying to go be a listing agent, then you, it's like you're working for tips. You've gotta be that hybrid investor agent where sometimes you make offers to buy properties at the listing appointment while you're also telling them that you can list it for them. You know, I checked out the lineup in summary. They're gonna focus on lead gen mindset, vision casting, all stuff I talk about on the pod all the time. You know, I'm also a part of an annual mastermind Trevor puts together, and it's always one of my favorites. He definitely knows what he's doing, and him and I even grew up in the same small town in Oregon, so it's extra special to be able to promote this event for him. You know, Carrot's been the authority on inbound lead generation in our industry for nearly 10 years. Trevor's team and business is one that I myself want to learn how to emulate. I mean, he even has a competitive business to one of mine, but he does so well, I have to respect that. So join us on the summit to learn how you can build a business of freedom and impact. Go to carrot.com forward slash rockstar for our link or go to the show notes to grab your spot for free. All right, back to your podcast. And starting back to what, what you just said there, Greg, at the beginning about that team, people say, I want to join a team because I want to get, I want to start a team because I want to get out of production. I want to hire people because I don't want to do the hard stuff anymore. But the people that I've interviewed that have grown huge teams and huge companies and huge businesses are all the people that have been able to make that mindset shift and say, I'm here to help my agents. They're going to spend all of their time. They're going to spend more of their time coaching their new agents, teaching their new agents than they're going to spend in production themselves. And they're going to do it because they like doing it. You know, I just interviewed a gal that just started her team yeah. and mostly it's like she used to be a teacher and now she, and then she became a successful agent, but she realized she still loves teaching. So she's like, so now many. I'm going to transition to teaching again. And like, that's the, that's the difference, right? Like that's how people can like grow if they're like, no, I'm going to teach instead of produce. Yeah. Hey, you have to love people. And then you still have to love the practice of the business because the mm -hmm. business changes quite a bit. I do a thing which keeps me rooted, right? Hey, uh, Zillow was 6,000 people when I left and maybe 30 or 40 or 50 when I, when I joined. Um, and I had some of the same practices as a leader from the first to the last day. First is you win in the details, not the strategy. Yeah. So when you become a team leader and you're not in production, you have to be very, very careful not to lose connection to customers and the systems in the real life. So I have a little hack. I'm going to give you no charge on this hack. Yeah, I'm ready. For everyone, which I do today. Well, I just finished at Tomo, my call center training. So I've always taken, I'll, I'll start next week, uh, uh, taking at least one day of call center shifts where I will talk to hundreds of customers in a day. I will use our tools and uh, my partner, Carrie, my co-founder of this company, Carrie, has been doing it for a while. She takes a 6 a.m. shift once a week. And I learn more from those customer calls and about our systems and about our process and about the agent experience talking to home buyers on the phone than anything else I, do, I could do uh, in a week or in a month. So one, stay close to the details forever. 
And continue to do the job so that you could help everyone do the job better is one of the most important things as you're growing these businesses, whether it's 10 people or a thousand people. It's a good reminder. So I have a, I have some software companies that are real estate data software companies, you know, similar to kind of, you know, typing in an address, like what Zillow gives you, but it gives you some like extra information to figure out, like, are they a prospective buyer, prospective seller? How much is their mortgage? All sorts of different things. Right. But the, um, I've, I have, I probably haven't done it in like six or seven months. And now it's the, that you're, as you're saying, that's the reminder. I used to once a month get inside, you know, be the guy managing chat, like all the customer service chats of people saying like, how do I access this? How do I get to this? Like, where's the reminder? Like, oh, I'm thinking about buying this and me converting them to sales and me like doing that. And there's, there's no better way to stay in touch with the business than to actually be on that ground level of like somebody just hit the website for the first time and they paid, but they can't access their list or they're doing this and those questions, because every time that would help then go back and rebuild product. Yeah. And, and how, how inspirational would it be to your teammates to see you sitting at the same desk? And I try to take the worst shifts. I try to take a work, a weekend shift Yeah, to make a point that you leave from the front. Uh, I'll pick up a shift. I'll spend six, eight hours, whatever it may be. It drives my family crazy, but that is what it is. And, and then I have credibility uh, with my teammates when I'm asking for difficult things from them as well. Hey, that, that's, that's one thing. And the other notion is, and I know you know this, the best talent always wins. Mm -hmm. um, the best agents in your team, the best loan officers in my case, the best software engineers, best talent wins. And I don't, have, you, have you heard, there's been a bunch of work out of HBS, Harvard Business School, about why people leave their jobs and why people stay. Uh, no. have you, have you had that on the show? No, go ahead. Okay. Cause I hear this from real estate team leaders ask me all the time or brokers ask me all the time. Why do my people stay? Why do people go? Um, and they end up crouching in a position like this half the time. Um, Hey, we all think it's about compensation. That's what has been grinded into us that salespeople like us are driven by the commission plan, by the payout. It's simply not true. People want to be compensated fairly it's generally the third most important thing for salespeople, for, for real estate agents. Um, most important is my connection with my manager. Does someone care about me? Does someone communicate with me on a regular basis that they care? It's not just asking about how the Little League game was this weekend. It's looking at my career and helping me grow into who I want to be and then taking action on that, actually acting on it. Single most important thing for retention is show you care and then actually take the actions. That's one. Number two, always is connection to mission and purpose. I'm actually working on something that I think is valuable, that I'm proud of, that I can tell my friends and family about, that I can be excited about. Number three is come. Yeah. Yeah. Folks get confused. Folks think, hey, if I pay you, you should show on up and say thank you very much. And it's just not how people are wired. When it, and it's interesting because what happens a lot is people are saying, hey, what's the split? Is it a 90-10? Is it an 80-20? Is it a 70-30? But you're changing that conversation to say, no, they want to be fairly compensated. And the, the teams that the people that I interview that are part of teams where they're getting tons of training and they're getting tons of leads that are coming in and they're like a plug and play inside a system and people can cover their stuff for them when they go out of town. Like the people that have like this really, really great work environment tend to be the ones that they're happier with lower splits and the ones that feel like, but you're like, they aren't getting as much help. They aren't as happy as that, but you're right. It's not about the split. It's about, is it being fairly compensated? Is this a partnership 
is this truly a team? Does it feel like I'm on a team or does it feel like I'm the low man on the totem pole on the team? And I think that, you know, and, and we, I've heard it in different ways where people are like, well, no, what are you doing for your agents to get them to stay? What sort of value are you giving them back? But that idea that everyone just wants to be compensated fairly for something that they believe in. Yeah, I call it being seen. It's, it's an innate human want is, does my manager, does my boss, does my leader see me yeah. and, and do they value me? And if you do, it's not the money. It's about the career track. It's about the care. It's about helping me in a difficult situation. It's about teaching me. Um, it's about being happy about my success. I'll give you one. So we have a weird, we have many weird traditions at Tomo. One of which is, I presume everyone is here because they want to be, not because they have to be. Mm -hmm. So if someone chooses to go and work on something new at a different place, we actually applaud them. We congratulate them if, if it's a great opportunity. Yeah. And so there's something elusive in software development. It's called a level 10 developer. And maybe you, you know what this is from your other companies, but everyone's always looking for a developer, software developer who will do 10 X the volume, the production of what an average will do. When you find a level 10, you kind of baby them, you protect them. Um, and they're very rare. So we had this a wonderful level 10 developer who was with us for the first two years of the company. And he broke our heart and he went from being an individual to being VP of engineering at a really prestigious startup. Instead of being hurt and upset, we threw him a party because he had made such a big contribution to the company, told him we really cared about him, that we, we were proud of him, that we were going to treat him with respect when he landed and we helped him out, figure some people issues as a first time VP. And it turned out he didn't like it. And mm -hmm. so who started back with us last week? That level 10 company's more valuable for it by being kind to people, by showing that we see them. So for everything we could talk about today about how to build great teams, that's the most fundamental thing. Uh, I think people want from us. Hey listeners, Aaron here. I just want to tell you about something I'm super, super excited about. You know, a couple months ago, I had a bunch of people in my office in Austin and I taught what I called my foreclosure masterclass. It was to teach investors how to make money with distressed real estate investing through foreclosures and other sorts of leads that are out there of people that are desperate to sell or need to sell and maybe they don't even know it yet and that process. Well, we had so much fun when people, everyone came to the office. So many people said they wanted to do it again. I recorded the class. It's now live and available for purchase. So if you're interested in learning about becoming an investor, learning about becoming an investor agent, being able to educate yourself uh, some more around foreclosures, about distressed real estate and how to get those, go to theforeclosuremasterclass.com, theforeclosuremasterclass.com. All right, back to the podcast. Seeing them and appreciating them. you know. So I struggle with this. I have lots of companies. I have lots of people on the team. I've got lots of team members, some that I see hardly ever often. And, and I guess the, pro and sometimes one of the problems is that I probably operate myself. So now I'm just asking for a little bit of coaching, right? Like yeah. I've got my high level guys are the ones that I think I say they don't need me. They're good at running that part of the company. So like I'm just, I don't have to check in with them as much because they're so great. But I think it has led to conflict of some of those high level guys after a while, not being excited anymore, not necessarily feeling seen. And so the, and so I've been trying to figure out like, I, well, I really just hit this realization of, man, I need to, I need to be able to spend more one-on-one -on -one time 
or whether it's a phone call or whether it's like lunches or something to make sure that those guys, because the people that actually get the least of my attention are probably the highest performers. And it's because I, and it's because of that mindset going, I don't need to micromanage them. They're doing great. I don't need to check in with them. They're doing great. And it sounds like probably the right business strategy is the opposite, right? Like check in with the people that are doing great to make sure that they, uh, they know that I see them. Yeah, Aaron. So we're going to put you on the couch now for a moment. Right. Metaphorically, of course, you've been really successful. And, and apparently everything you touch seems to be very successful. Um, are you ever nervous? The, I don't get nervous in business too often. I, I think I get other emotions, but nervous really isn't the one. Right? Okay. Are you, are you ever worried? The, I see, so I get, I get, yes, like I, I do worry about, um, you know, cash. Like I, I worry about, um, yeah, I get worried. I get worried about cash flow mostly different parts of the business and trying to, to make sure that we're getting, we're getting the opportunity that we think we are. And you, what do you get anxious about? I get anxious about stuff going wrong that I don't know about, or maybe people on the team not being able to, uh, people not following the procedures or not knowing the vision or like, you know, probably like the, the lower, the, probably the lower level stuff of like, Hey, yep. did, are these houses getting delivered the way we think they are? Yeah. And I bet you've learned how to cope with that worry successfully. Um, or you wouldn't continue doing what you're doing. The point of putting you through this, and we could go on yeah. all day on this session is the most successful people often has, I found have the most worries. It's why mm -hmm. they're successful actually. Yeah. Um, I bet many of the successful real estate agents listening um, worry more than almost anyone else they know. And so they need someone to tune in um, to them and see them just like anybody else. It's actually become part of our core biz strategy at Toman. One of the reasons why we founded this company and I'll kind of go hit, give you a little history back, back when we were building Zillow, Rich Barton who's the iconic founder of, of Zillow and Expedia before that. Um, has a mantra, which and the guy's unbelievable and founded like 10 companies um, that have become part of daily life, right? Um, his, his core business philosophy was power to the people. He wanted to break down incumbent strong entities and give power to consumers. And that's been consistent, whether it's in travel or in real estate um, or movies with Netflix, which he worked on, it, it's been there. Um, our consistent belief here, which is really the founding of the Premier Agent Program at Zillow, um, which uh, Carrie and I, you know, it's one of our, you know, most most proud, maybe controversial, but proud inventions. And and I was standing in an elevator when we named it, and and or when I named it, and every little step for 13, 13 years was from the soul, from care. And now for Tomo, the the unification there is. Uh, people want to be seen. Hmm. And there's, can I give you a story, a founding story? Yeah. Every company has a founding story. So visualize this. 30-something-year-old guy, cute little family, has one little kid, moving into their first home they've bought out of a rental home. It's a day before close. This 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 little guy in his, in his blue shirt lives in Seattle. What does it do in Seattle? Rains. Rains. The day before close, uh, his, he used a mortgage broker. Questionable decision. Um, he, he wasn't super, super knowledgeable about the process uh, at the time. Uh, day before close, he was not cleared to close. 
day before close, the mortgage broker calls him up and says, I haven't heard back from the bank in a week. I don't think we're going to close tomorrow. And I don't know when we're going to close. Okay. This little fellow, obviously me, uh, has a notice stapled to the front door of his rental house that says eviction, not because of me, because the owner hadn't been paying his mortgage. So the house was going to get foreclosed. It was foreclosure notice, not an eviction yeah. notice. So I visualized, this is, this is buyer head. Every, every one of our customers has this. I visualized all of my stuff on the front lawn in cardboard boxes in rainy Seattle. And at that moment, I knew I was going to start a company eventually in the mortgage space. For me, luckily, I happened to have known the lender uh, uh, that we're getting financed by. I'll say today, it was ING Direct. Okay, they're they're not in the business anymore. Um, And ING happened to be a guy I was a summer intern with, was the president of ING, by random luck. So I called the guy up and we got it closed. But it took knowing the president of the bank to get it closed on time. And that's one of the inspirations of Tomo, which is you shouldn't have to know me to get us to close on time without drama. And the company Tomo is based on an obscure Japanese concept called Omotenashi, which is about service, the Japanese service strategy. And philosophy. Have you ever been to Tokyo or Japan? I have. Yeah, I've, I've, spent, I've made a couple trips out there. Okay, this, so this is so good. So, were you struck by the service experiences in Japan, like I was? Japan's fast. It's struck by the so service is amazing. Plus, everything is like big and fast, and so and there's a lot of people, especially like in Tokyo. So it's it's kind of surprising how well service can be when they're servicing so many people. You're right. And it, it, much of it is tied up into, I don't know, a 150 year old service strategy called Omotenashi, which is my interpretation of it is we're doing a lot of research on it is anticipating your customers' needs and meeting them without ever being asked. Like that's beautiful stuff. Yeah. And we do that a lot in real estate. Tomo is the first four letters of Omotenashi backwards, which is where we got the name. Mm-hmm. Our, our job to be valuable is to anticipate agents' needs, teams' needs, and home buyers' needs. We're the experts and meet it without ever being asked. And if you do that, you have an incredibly valuable business. And I think about that in real estate all the time. The best teams, the best agents, man, they do it because they love these people, right? Not yeah. just for the money. You know, there's, I mean, I remember, I, I know, I remember so many examples, especially in like, 2010 2011 when we were buying foreclosures and selling them how many buyers at the end of the day it's when we started doing like a hey you have to get pre-qualified by our lender because there were a lot of buyers that would get to the day of closing and go hey we're not closing today by no fault of their own right like they're like i did everything that i was told i did everything i was supposed to but there are bad mortgage brokers out there or there are bad lenders out there or people that weren't being honest with them. We had lenders that would say, we're getting docs tomorrow, like three months in a row. I remember being like three months into an escrow and finally like, and every day the broker had a new lie of what was going on about like essentially knowing like they, people weren't really qualified and they were hoping that every week when they readed their credit score that maybe they would go. So there's nightmares that happen inside that lending part that are the, the person that like gets hit. Well, I guess the seller and the buyer both get hurt with that by no actions of their own and how sad to be so excited to move into a house. Hey, I'm, I'm going to move into my house tomorrow and then find out you're not. And sometimes they find out you're actually not qualified. You act, we actually cannot get you a loan 
after all because and we should have told you that correctly 45 days ago but you know hope and all sorts of reasons so i want to i want to dig into what exactly what tomo does before we do that i just have one one quick question i think you're probably an expert at yes and maybe there's um you know uh some speed round on it so somebody buys a lead somebody buys an online lead and you said hey you've got to have your systems right Yep. What are your like two or three best practices that people are like, because here's a problem. People buy leads, they call the lead, the lead doesn't answer, and then nothing happens with that lead and they say this lead sucks. I know, and but I know from other people it's not. So what are like some just quick best practices? If someone's going to buy a lead and get a lead, what are two or three things they can do to make sure that they are, are I'm, I know you're an expert in this and we don't have time to go into it. So what are two or three things before we jump into Tomo? You're going to laugh. Call it and text it and then do it again. And again, and when you get somebody on the phone, actually speak as if you're someone they'd want to speak to, not like a robot. Okay, so we did a quick survey of, uh, we looked at a set of 5,000 real estate leads from a bunch of our partners. So like, think about 15 of the top teams in the United States, the best, the people you see on stages. Okay, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of, the, of this set of leads, so let's call it 5,000 leads, were called within uh, 15 minutes during operating hours. These are the best teams in the country. We know speed to lead matters almost above everything. How many teams of the call at the top 20 achieved their SLA of a 15-minute call? Man, I would have no idea what to guess, but you would think that the guys at the top are like, you know, like more than half or three quarters of the leads that are coming in that they're able to like call right away. One. Of the top teams in the country, um, the vast majority of them um, were calling uh, not within their service level agreement, which is 15 minutes, but within 24 hours, half the time. Wow. Which meant half the time, this is an internet lead falling in love with a house, not at all attached to the agent yet. No attachment. Probably don't even know the agent's name, even if they, if they fill their lead form. They're getting called the day after. Would you work with that agent? No. Yeah, because they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna fight for you. They're not, they're not that interested. I'm like the last on their list. If they call me the next day, well, they, or you've probably found somebody. If if you if the lead getting passed out to a bunch of people, so no, yeah, like if they're if you're getting that lead, that's the most. And we say with our software too, the moment someone signs up is the moment they're the most excited they'll ever be in the process. So the the, yeah. the second they give you that email or phone. So here's here's the cadence. It's a really simple cadence. Then we can we can move on. Yeah, because uh, then we're tight on time. Uh, when we're gonna call it the double double tap uh, cadence. This is what I suggest. You got to you get a lead. You have to act it within business hours within 15 minutes or you're not in the game because that customer's mm -hmm. filling out a lead form somewhere else too. So yeah. you send a text fast. You can have an auto text in almost any of these great CRMs, right? You can auto text someone in follow-up boss, whatever, whatever you may choose. So you set up a, a template which says, thanks, got your inquiry. I'm calling you momentarily. Please pick up. Hey, if you want to use something like bomb bomb and put a video in there, all the better. That stuff works really well. She so sent out a text. You call. Guess what? They're not going to pick up. Yeah. You call the second time, 90 seconds later, it's called the double tap. It doubles your pickup rate on first call. Text, call, call. Um, I would do that on every single opportunity if you're if you're getting leads. I love that. The yeah. text will say, Hey, I got your thing. I'm going to call you momentarily. So then they know like whatever they're going to be doing, if they want to talk, you know, put it away, whatever you call the first time the, they start to recognize it. And they, and it's funny, people like filling out the forms. People don't like talking on the phone yet. 
they would probably more likely to text, but calling that second time. I like that. Very simple. Send a text. Hey, I'm about to call you. Please pick up, call them. They don't answer, call them again. And I had a guy speaking to our mastermind group yesterday and he, and he, and he talked about, he talked about that of calling, you know, twice in a row and just how yeah. much more like his percentage was just exponentially higher of that idea of like maybe one out of 20 were answering the first call, but half of, but 10 out of 20 were answering the second call. And most people out there are still only dialing once or they're not dialing within 15 minutes. All right. Yep. So the, we, you've got to share with, you know, this has been a fun conversation, but now yeah, I want to hear about what are you guys doing with Tomo? If agents want to hear about that, like, so you talked about, you're trying to make that mortgage process better and simpler and predictable. You're trying to work with, you know, big teams and like help them through that. So what exactly is Tomo? Yeah. So, so Tomo is a mortgage lender, not a mortgage broker. We, we're our own bank, uh, licensed in non-bank lender, licensed in 32 states as of this morning, cool. two and a half years old. And we're radicals. We're radicals to never, ever, ever miss a close date and try to never, ever, ever be the source of drama. How do we do it? One, we're a digital mortgage company where a customer can apply online where they can get their statuses online, where we're starting to do things like real-time underwritten pre-approvals. So you mm -hmm. can really be confident if you're an agent and you're presenting an offer that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna back it. It's a real commitment. But we're doing these things digitally and we've got world-class loan officers accessible seven days a week, 14 hours a day, every time zone we operate in. So terrific experts, but we're trying to do a lot of the back office work digitally because customers don't want to talk us talk to us about that stuff. They want to upload docs, connect their accounts, get an actual number from us, select a financial product without talking to us often, get a little guidance from our loan officers. Um, and we're here for them. And then we've got this radical approach to accountability, to agents in particular. Uh, my partner and I personally sign every pre-approval letter and put our personal mobile phone numbers on it. Dare Jamie Diamond at J.P. Morgan Chase to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, no chance. A good guy, though. And we love when agents hold us accountable um, if we're the source of drama, which is very rare. So um, a high-quality uh, mortgage company that closes on time with really broad, thoughtful financial products, especially for first-time homebuyers. Got, got great FHA products, uh, mortgage products. Um, we've got great products for folks that might not have much uh, cash for down payment. Um, and then we'd have some crowd pleasers. So no lender fees at all. Cause you know, everyone's got scarce dollars to put down. Yeah. So we have competitive rates, no lender fees. And here's, here's the, the innovative one. We try to solve problems and the most frequent problem I hear from agents is appraisal still. Mm -hmm. So we've got this really innovative program called an appraisal guarantee where when, uh, an agent's about to, uh, enable an offer on a property, just check the address with us really quickly, do a quick, check on the value of the house and we'll guarantee um, that we'll meet the list price. I'm sorry that not the list price, the offer price. Yeah. And if the appraisal comes in low, we'll meet the difference. Hey, real estate rock stars. We only have a few minutes left in this episode, but before we get to the grand finale, I just want to say as always, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You know, podcasts are obviously free. You don't have to pay to listen to the podcast. But if you could pay one thing, if I could charge you one thing to listen to this podcast, what I would ask you to do is go, please make a review. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on YouTube, 
or on Apple or Android, wherever you listen to podcasts and go give me a review of the podcast. I read them. I listen to them. I try to make adjustments. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a ton of bad reviews on the sound quality or the number of advertisements, things like that. And I've really tried to dial in to add value for all of you guys. So please, please, please go do a review. If you want to get a, a copy of the toolbox of the stuff that you know everybody that comes on the show, they give us some tactics. They give us something that we put in what we call our toolbox. And so to get that, you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. When you get there, click on the, the toolbox and you get access to the free gift that every person that we interview on the episode provides. There's things like, you know, uh, listing tactics, how to do a presentation, you know, how to do a newsletter, all sorts of cool, fun stuff. And if you want to talk to me, go find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Ask me a question. I talk to so many of you guys on there. All right. Back to the show. Thanks again for being a listener. pretty radical program um uh that's been really successful dude there's several radical things there greg the rat i mean the first part is you your first house you were going to buy you were able to close because you could call the ceo but not everybody can call the ceo but now they can essentially with your company you're like here's our phone number so they can call you so it's like you took something out of that first solution where they're they're like no they can call me and I'm gonna and and we're gonna make sure we stand by it. I hope they don't if, have to, but yeah, they, right. Well, the I mean, if if everybody had to, your number wouldn't be on there. It should be like the extreme case of needing to do something. The appraisal guarantee is fascinating in the sense like there are so many times when we can easily do the comps and go no, this is what it should sell for and why, like a pre done comp, a pre done BPO or whatever, yep. and then because of the way that appraisals work out because not every appraiser is perfect because of just random circumstance of oh there's one house in the neighborhood that got foreclosed on and is record whatever it is so something can happen later where you know the house is still worth 250 but the appraisal says 240 you guys looked at it ahead of time and said yeah we honor that too i'm sure there's sometimes you guys look at it and go well no it's like you can't offer fifty thousand over we're not going to guarantee that because we know it's not going to appraise, but you look at it and go ahead of time. It is. So that way they're not going to spend 400 bucks on an appraisal. There's nothing worse for a buyer to spend money on an application, to spend money on an appraisal, have the appraisal come in 20,000 low and the sellers say, no, I'm not going to sell to you anymore. So now the buyer's out their money. They're out onto a new house, new effort, new emotions, whatever. And then the, and then that appraisal sticks with the property anyway. Like the, the seller still wanted to sell to them. But also was like, I know my house is worth 250. I can't accept 230. It's the appraisal gap creates so many issues inside uh, the real estate transaction. I think that is absolutely fascinating. How do people go work with Tomo? Is it something where a, where a seller can say, Hey, this our preferred lender is Tomo. Go get pre-qualified, and here's why. Are you just working mostly with listing agents or buyers agents? Can somebody reach out to you and say, I want to be able to offer this to my clients because the appraisal guarantee by itself is so radical that I think that being an industry changing thing. Um, yeah. So how do people get going with you? Yeah. Two paths in, um, hello, Tomo.com. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that kind of cute? Our like URL, it. um, trying to be approachable here and not intimidating to folks. Cause they really are intimidating, intimidated, especially for some home buyers. Um, the website, um, customers are welcome to come to the website and, uh, I'm going to give you, uh, uh, when we finish up actually an agent URL with a contest, uh, with, with a benefit uh, to them. Uh, and then we have a wonderful team that actually partners uh, uh, with real estate agents, individuals and teams alike, gets them trained up on what the appraisal guarantee is, our financial products, 
Um, and then we set up the ability for the agent to refer folks to us, which we're thrilled um, to take uh, to take recommendations and referrals in. So customers can come direct, or uh, we have these agent partnerships, which have been really successful for us. Yeah, cool. So I see the hello tomo.com the and and that looks awesome. So what sort of yeah we've we got a couple minutes left. What sort of what sort of contest okay. do you have or URL or or or, and really anything else that you want to share out there when you're thinking there's some agents listening. If I forget to say this, I'm going to, I'm going to kill my, yeah. you know, what, what do you got to do? Yeah. Well, one thing I've got to do is and it, it, we kind of, we picked this cause of, um, the show, uh, real estate rock stars. Um, awesome. so we put a package together, uh, for real estate rock star, uh, listeners in particular real estate agents, but it's welcome to all, of course. Uh, and it's at hellotomo.com slash rock stars. You get that. Yeah. And given how uh, important uh, it's going to be up Monday uh, when we post, uh, given how important social media is to agents' brands, we're giving away kind of a really cool package, just a content creation package, so that we can supercharge an agent uh, or an agent's presence. So it's a Sony EV10 camera, which I'm told is the hot content creation camera, yeah, and all the accessories. And I'm going to put them on the spot. We have like a world-class, fantastic social media content creation team and a 30-minute session with our head of uh, social media content creation. And so uh, you you can go to hellotomo.com slash rockstars to enter in a contest. Obviously, we'd love uh, to then email you some content about Tomo, um, but you can win a Sony EV10 and uh, accessories in in a little lesson. The, I love that. I, the, I think it's, um, social media is important. Getting a jump start from a company like you, uh, I think would be great. I think, but I think the coolest part about today, man, I'm really impressed with the system that you have with, with what you're thinking about. The, I don't, um, we don't really interview service providers on here. And, and part, and partially is because it's like, there's always so much advertising. What I loved about getting to introduce you, it, talk to you today, Greg, is like, so we get to know each other a little bit before the call. During the call, I feel like now I know you so much better. You know, the uh, it's just we got to have a friendly conversation about the world and about real estate, but then also just seeing your passion out there for like, like seeing some of the problems in real estate, and that's been your passion since oh six oh seven, right? Seeing some of the the problems in real estate and going, how can we make this process a little bit better? So the so people know they can find you hellotomo.com forward slash rockstars. Any last final thoughts, uh, things people should be thinking or, or ways they could reach out to you any other way? Yeah, because it's traditional. I'll give you uh, I'll give everyone my real email address. Um, yeah. And you have a big audience. So we'll see what happens to me. Let's see what happens. Be ready. Uh, uh, Greg at hellotomo.com. Fury G at hellotomo.com. If I can be of service to you all and add a friendship to your listeners who I don't know, if you're struggling uh, with how to retain an ISA or a team member or something, and you don't know how to practice, I see you. That's the strategy that we call it. I see you. Um, drop me a line. Um, we can go back and forth and uh, uh, see if I can't help. Yeah. Well, Greg, that's amazing. I can't wait to hear what some of those results are. Thanks so much for coming on the show today and providing so much content and stuff for our listeners today. I really, really appreciate you. Yeah, it's really fun uh, to get to spend time with you. Bye. Real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.